Hi, you're listening to Andrew Farris on NXS Access All Areas with Hayden and B. Check it out. Access All Areas, episode 38, the podcast that aims to d- dive deep on all things in excess, get them into the Rock Hall of Fame, have a laugh, enjoy, banter, take the piss and build a community of fans. What do you think, B? <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Let's do yeah. that. <laughs> let's keep, keep, keep on keeping on. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm really good, actually. Pretty good spirit set. And I was uh, up um, quite late last night. <laughs> well, I was... I won't go into that, but I will ask, how has your NXS week been? Because it seems yeah. to get larger and bigger and more varied. I know, I know. Well, um, I'll, I'll start off with that um, I organised a tree for Chris's memorial. Yep. We've ordered um, a, a beautiful avocado tree, which is going to be sent to the ranch this week. What else? Uh, loads of things. We've got a sponsor who no. is um, called, um, the sponsor is Tilly and Wilbur, and yeah. they're going to sponsor our show for a couple of weeks. And uh, they're a T-shirt company, and they're going to give all our patrons a T-shirt each of our no. logo on too. So that's awesome. pretty cool. Wow. And then for, for the of- list, oh, yeah, <laughs> go on. For a, cup of, for a cup of coffee, they get some good shit, don't they? They don't laugh, they don't laugh. And then for the rest of the listeners, you get 20% discount on all the T-shirts. So she she um, sells expressive wear. Do you know what oh. that means? Well, look, it seems like one of these new modern day sort of words, et cetera, <laughs> there, like active wear seem to be one of those big buzzwords in the last 20 years. Expressive wear. Okay, fantastic. Expressive wear. So it's T-shirts nice. that say things. So right. it's great for children, you know, like yeah. daddy's number one and all that. So there's um, a discount code for you all. So it's in excess, P-O-D, pod. Okay, fantastic. All right, use now, that. Now, and Valentine's now, is coming up, so get on to that. Well, well Throughout the podcast today, if you do hear a little bit of backup vocals for some children today, we will uh, oh. let you know. My, my daughter and my son are, at, are auditioning for that eventual NXS tour that comes about. So uh, <laughs> apologies in advance if it is a little bit screechy, but uh, cannot control the kids on a Saturday to the best of my abilities ever be. Well, you never know. That might be taken over in 20 years' time. Well, that's right. It's all about, it's all, what, did, what did Whitney say? I believe the children yeah, the are our future. <laughs> Might be the most nauseating lyric of all time. Anyway, I digress. But uh, yeah, look, coming off last uh, week, it was a, it was it was a lot of fun putting that episode together. It was uh, a, a labour of love. It took a little bit of time, but we we trusted a lot of people enjoyed it and put a bit of a homage to Michael, obviously, and, and it continued sort of uh, kudos and respect to the passing of Chris Murphy. But yeah, it was a lot of fun, I guess, being able to tackle sort of Michael, the artist side, rather than sort of the image side, B. Yeah, we uh, we got a lot of good feedback from that and um, the fact that we're quite respectful to um, just celebrate Michael and not sort of yeah. worry too much about his loss. I know we all, we all do at that time of year, but um, yeah, I felt pretty good about that. It was pretty epic, I must admit. 
put a lot of sweat and tears into that last episode. It was very hard. It was very hard for you to have an episode about Michael and not swoon and not sort of. I mean, I know you want to read a montage out about the orbit of his hips and lips and whatever there, but uh, yeah, we'll part that for another episode, I reckon. Yeah, but I guess, you know, for Michael, if we think back, especially the last few years of his career, and I even think throughout, he played the rock star and he and I guess he there was part of him that really enjoyed being the rock star, but there was also, I think, a part of him was the reluctant rock star, and that is that, you know, think back to his musical interests, you know, and friendships like Nick Cave and, and um, you know, Black Grape and, you know, also with Sean Ryder and, um, you know, his associations, you know, with Danny Sabre and Andy Gill and some of the artists he worked with and, um, you know, cover songs of, you know, Iggy Pop and Elvis and things like he, he, he probably really wanted to be artistically remembered and respected, I think, more than being adulated. I think it's sort of, uh, is it sort of an interesting sort of thing that troubled him, you know, and I think those comments that, that, that the British Music Awards were part of that sort of self-image of himself that I think he struggled with, you know, and I think hopefully last week gave an artistic uh, recognition that, you know, maybe more people could could do and maybe that's our part of sort of sharing with the greater community because he can't help the way he looks and the way he moves, but, you know, <laughs> you throw the good lyrics and, you know, the phrasing and the vocal ability in, he had the package, which all, all his contemporaries, package. you know, yeah. respected. Yeah. yeah, and and there's so many people are coming on board now and saying that, you know, that he isn't just the pretty face. He yep. just had so much. There'll never yep. be another Michael, will there? No, no, not at all. Uh, no. But look, this is the time we like to welcome our friends aboard. We have an honorary patron in uh, Nick Egan, who probably went from sort of bronze to silver to gold uh, to platinum to uber diamond status now, so much so that we almost need to probably sort of make him a, a triple act on our podcast. Maybe it's Hayden, B and Nick, because he's constantly engaging with our fans and community, but he's uh, at this point an honorary uber diamond platinum status patron okay b <laughs> all right i'll i'll let him <laughs> did you like the photo we sent out uh, of his birthday a couple of years ago dressed up like a bit like the guy from carry on uh, movies kenneth kenneth williams yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> it was yeah. quite good wasn't it yeah. actually what we're talking about nick i've done like a part three series for the patrons patrons only you're getting all the good bits and the last one he actually took us around his studio Oh, wow. And showed us all the, the photographs. And, oh, my God, he's got some amazing photographs of, um, mm. you know, um, I'm not going to say, actually, because they are yeah. uber fantastic. And yeah. a lot of people couldn't see them. So I'm actually going to do a video of it right. with okay. him next. Okay. So that will be for patrons only anyway. So cup of coffee, everybody. <laughs> Absolutely. Cup of coffee a week and, you know, you get access to all of this sort of stuff. So, um, but just, I did, I did text him uh, on Messenger and say, um, uh, it looks like you're auditioning for Carry On LA. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. Remember it was like Carry On Up the Kyber and, you know, those ones, Carry On, you know, nurses and things. It was like Carry On LA. I thought Carry On, I thought Carry On Kardashians or Carry On Hollywood Hills. But, no, uh, carry on, carry on, Hollywood. <laughs> he seems to be the most unpretentious guy living in the Hollywood Hills, isn't he? So much fun. He's yeah. got so. Every time I speak to him, he's like, "Go straight into another story." Like, what you yep. knew then? Like yep. we were talking about Nirvana. You went to the last Nirvana gig. You're like, "Wow." Yes. Yeah. You yeah. know, was there? But, he was there. 
anyway, uh, I'll let you welcome the podcasters, uh, sorry, the patrons aboard, uh, as we do each week, who we valuably respect and love and enjoy uh, in our community. So over to you, B. I'd like to say hello to everybody outside on the highway. Let's all say hello to everybody outside. It's about 10,000 people at least. Hello. Hello to Pedro, Lisa, Foxy, Felicia, Sarah, Laurie, Carmen, Sudi, Dean, Joe Robbins, Mandy, Linda, Danielle, Dr. Jim, Amanda, Leon, Anne-Marie, Lisa Calloway, Lisa McIntosh, Katie, Carrie-Ann, Virginia, Byrne, Caroline, Paul Jolie, Joseph, Susan, David, Sandrine, Tracy and Paul Boozy. Well, all right, as today, uh, episode 38, we will, in a moment's time, uh, do our deep dive on the musical maestro, Andrew Charles Ferris, uh, or Chuck, as you affectionately called him before in our production meeting, B. But yeah, looking forward to this, because um, if, if Michael, in some respects, was sort of the reluctant rock star, I think, you know, Andrew initially was sort of the, the reluctant sort of, uh, I don't do media, I don't want to do media, just let me write songs. So now we can't get him off Facebook, okay? We need no. a, we, we, we need Mark Zuckerberg to almost do an intervention for, for Andrew, uh, given, the, given the prolific nature of his uh, Facebook tendencies. I think he's addicted, but... Uh, uh, on a Do more serious note, to, that. to come on the show. <laughs> well, maybe we should invite him via Facebook. He'll he'll be straight there with Kirk as well. Kirk will jump on too. But no, on a more serious note, we we look forward to doing a deep dive into Andrew. Not just his contributions in excess, but some of the uh, the things he's done outside the band that maybe our overseas uh, listeners uh, are unfamiliar with because. He's written a lot of hits for other artists, um, some which were, you know, pretty much hits in this region of the world, but um, are timeless and are classics and deserve to be aired and heard. What's the time for, B? And now it's time for the news. Hi, it's Carmen here from Wollongong, Australia. You're listening to the world's best in excess podcast, in excess access all areas, and now it's time for the news. All right, well, news time. Uh, we normally start off with some chart figures, but I guess at the time of recording, B, we've come off sort of three or four chart changes that were sort of uh, relevant to the period of recording last week. So we're probably a day out from the charts being released. So maybe next week we will have two, uh, lots of figures where the uh, very best of album is in Australia. I think at last week it was at 39. Uh, moving along, though, uh, in the USA, a little bit of USA news. It's uh, anniversary seemingly after anniversary at the moment. Uh, it's 30 years, I think, in the last week where uh, NXS were really heavy in their X Factor Tour sort of promotion and were doing a lot of late-night TV. Arsenio Hall, who to me is almost like, uh, he's not a patron, but he's almost like an honorary member of the fan club. He he was really helpful to NXS, you know, especially the MTV Music Awards um, during his own show. Uh, the Arsenio Hall show, he had the band on this week 30 years ago doing uh, What You Need and Bitter Tears. I think the What You Need one is that clip where the audience all jump onto the stage and Michael's in the black leather pants and girls couldn't <laughs> hold themselves back, okay? But that particular uh, anniversary is this week. Equally uh, this week, the 1991 American Music Awards, In Excess was sort of like the star performer that night. I can't remember if it was the star of the show or the end of the show, but... Uh, a gentleman, a gentleman by the name of Vernon Reed, who was a, sort of the major songwriter uh, and guitarist in Living Colour, uh, the band, introduces them uh, and highlights, obviously, the intro into Disappear. And Michael and the band give a really, really good performance of that, especially the vocals with Michael. And that's actually uh, 30 years this week, B. It seems to wow. have gone very fast. Too fast. Too fast. Before we know it, it'll be Wembley 30-year anniversary, and we'll have to do uh, a recognition of that. 
Oh, definitely. We've got a lot of things to go, a lot of people who want to uh, come on there. Yeah. Talk about um, talk about their experiences. Uh, another couple of things, uh, just to mention news. Uh, there's a, a podcast series called Stereo Embers, and I know Andrew has uh, recorded and contributed to that podcast in the last week, and, you know, they dive deep on the past, the present, and sort of the, hopefully the future on that. So if listeners want to check that out, Stereo Embers, Andrew Farris podcast. Um, again, listeners, we are going to get uh, the band on. We are working our way up to that. We're going to make it really special when it happens, though, aren't we, B? Very special. Um, also, too, there's a great article. I think it was shared by a couple of patrons. I think maybe Carmen and some others this week that uh, I, I ended up opening. And, uh, you know, 90% it was pretty good. It was called 60 Minutes of In Excess Non-Hits. Oh. And it was, yeah, and it was a really good article if you just download that heading or whatever there or go into in excess google alerts you'll find it but uh 60 minutes of in excess non-hits was basically a deep dive by this journalist who was basically saying in excess are pretty underrated they were probably viewed as style more over substance but why they were more substantial is because of the non-hits and it's been a theme of our show to talk about the non-hits with our spotify playlist uh, mm. gathering sort of momentum but what was quite interesting with this journal when he did the article he, he mentioned about 15 20 songs and added them up to 60 minutes and said, oh, these are 60 minutes of songs you should check out. Yeah, what was interesting was that uh, half of these uh, songs were hits in the UK, New Zealand, Australia, and weren't hits in America based on either the start of their career or later on in their career. That 1992 sort of uh, backwards to 82 was probably that sweet spot for hits in America. Uh, but yeah, this particular list, I'll, I'll read out the songs just quickly in the article and you can sort of read the, the whole piece, but it talks about heaven sent, send a message, stay young, one by one, elegantly wasted the song, by my side, black and white, make your peace, calling all nations, just keep walking, biting bullets lately, full moon, dirty hearts, the song, Jan song, back online, melting in the sun, tiny daggers, and the title track, The Swing. So it's a really good article that talks, you know, a couple of paragraphs about each of those songs and some overall commentary about things. I did hate the fact that uh, he mentioned that, you know, In Excess attracted sort of influences like Maroon 5, and that's probably they were the Maroon 5 of the era. Uh, I found that offensive. Uh, so That would be offensive. You know, yeah, that's exactly right. You know, you need Maroon to get 5, over that, Hayden. Yeah, don't I know, don't I know. Let, let go. Let I've got go. four more therapy sessions to go, okay? Uh, only four. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, but, but yeah, so, but overall the article's pretty good because it does examine some of the non-hits and talks about the fact that that's such a great catalogue. And, I think that's, to me, their greatest ever achievement is the catalogue. They don't have a lot of filler. You know, it's mm. more killer than filler, you know, in their entire catalogue, and they can be really proud of that. But I urge, you know, some of the more hardened fans or patrons, et cetera, on this uh, particular podcast listen uh, to go check the article out because uh, it does give some great recognition to some of those songs. And, again, I had, I had to chuckle a little bit because, you know, half of them were hits in other countries. So it sort of just showcases just their, their success in, in many regions around the world. But, yeah, that was sort of a, another sort of US-themed uh, uh, article for the week or, or reference. Uh, but okay. There was a, an, an, an Amanda Nolan who is um, Rhett's ex-wife, isn't she? Yeah, she posted something about she Michael. Posted. Week, didn't she posted. Yeah, it's um, on her soap box. We've put that onto our uh, Facebook page, actually. That was two okay. days ago. So perhaps yeah. you should go revisit that too. Yeah. That was quite interesting. Well, there, there are. There are a lot of lot of tributes and testimonies to Michael, which sort of happened this time of year. So, yeah, absolutely. It's always, it's always nice to hear people say nice things about a nice person. Uh, and 
Keeping into the US, USA in terms of other matters, the Grammys uh, that were due on the 31st of January this, uh, well, next two weeks, have been postponed, which looks like it's going to be March. But uh, I guess the second most popular word in the last uh, 12 months has been COVID, and then suddenly the second one has been postponed. Uh, so I think uh, we've all all lived in that world of reality, B, where things are being moved around, haven't we? Or cancel completely. I think Correct. they don't change. Boys have had their uh, gigs cancelled as well, haven't they, for Australia Day? Well, one of the things I'd like to do sort of in the news section, and it's funny you mentioned don't change, um, there has been, I guess, with COVID improving in certain regions in sort of the southern hemisphere, uh, a bit of a lift uh, in concerts and touring. So the Don't Change guys have announced that uh, I think on July 16th, they'll be playing up at uh, The Ville, which is sort of a nightclub venue in Townsville, Queensland. So that's uh, been penciled in or might have been sort of a reschedulement from uh, the end of last year. I'd like to sort of acknowledge a few other uh, other uh, in excess tribute bands, B, and I've got a bit of a list here around, <coughs> around the world. You? Lists? Really? I've come up with a list, yeah. There's uh, in excessive the, uh, the, the Australia Day Eve, uh, which is, I think, January, or well, actually, it might be Australia Day, actually, uh, a concert which is being played at the Entrance Hotel uh, in a place called The Entrance, which is a sort of New South Wales town. Yeah. Uh, you might know and heard of I've that. Been. Up, might yes. be near your way. In Perth, I mentioned a few months ago, there is an NXS tribute band over there called What You Need, and they're playing uh, Australia Day Eve on the 25th of January at the Empire Hotel. In Adelaide, there's an NXS tribute band over there called Devil Inside. Uh, yeah. And uh, they're playing uh, on February 12th. Venues I don't have on me at the moment, but uh, you could sort of download or Google Devil Inside Tribute Band in Excess, Adelaide. Uh, in America, uh, in New Jersey, okay, in <laughs> July the 18th at the Landis Theatre, the kick, the In Excess Experience, we've mentioned before and we've plugged before, uh, a big concert at that theatre. And uh, in Australia, there's the Australian In Excess show, <laughs> another t- uh, tribute band are playing on the 27th of March uh, at the Ellie Beach Hotel, which is up on the sort of beautiful Whit Sundays. Yeah. You've been nice. up that way? No, I haven't been that far. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> Uh, okay. And more official, <laughs> yeah, more official <laughs> and unofficial, you know, collection-wise, John Stevens, the former frontman of In Excess, post Michael, uh, he's actually been able to rebook some gig tours, and I know in February the fourteenth at Mission Beach, uh, which is up near the Whitsundays or on the Whitsundays yeah. as well, he's going to be playing both Noiseworks and In Excess songs as well. Yeah. So, fair bit of touring news, and it's great to see that maybe there is confidence in certain regions and. Uh, areas around sort of the planet where you know people can get out to a gig and uh, enjoy themselves again. Totally recommend going to see John Stevens' show. wonderful maybe in a couple of years time (laughs) when we're really successful if we could do a convention and get all these guys together and do a big gig of all these tribute bands doing different songs well look you know if a bunch of of geeks turn up to conventions for action figures of star trek anything's possible uh (laughs) so anything's possible but uh we you know are we geeks 
No, I think when you're rock music and you've got tattoos on your left shoulder, B, you, oh, right. you, can't, it's a bit, you can't. It's a bit sunburnt today. Can you see that? <laughs> B's flashing her left left shoulder tattoo right through the camera at me. Uh, very proud. Got a little bit of colour there. Have you um, not seen that before? I've seen it before, but I haven't highlighted to the uh, listeners that uh, we're not geeks. Do you, do you want to see my ever one? No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> your husband might come in and. Oh, uh, you're yeah. blessing. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah, look. You are too. Well, probably. I got a sunburn, but uh, yeah. The, <laughs> moving right along, the the uh, yeah, anything's possible. I mean, I, I one thing I would love to see happen one day would be sort of, as I said, a, a big uh, success uh, party of fans around the world at a nightclub, at a venue, which could oh. hold five hundred to a thousand people, and everyone flew in, and the band turned up, and maybe played a little sort of six song. Uh, acoustic or a little you know plug in your Marshall set and uh there's a DJ playing in excess uh, remixes all night and in excess tunes all night and uh become sort of like a biannual and every two-year event that'd be pretty cool well that's that's the bigger picture mine starts off on a little boat just an intimate <laughs> affair with probably about 20 or 30 of us and right. they're partying with the DJ and then this little motorboat pulls up and there's Kirk and Andrew <laughs> Kirk. and Tim just in this boat going hi hey, like, oh my know, god how come hey, that fly by <laughs> you know Kirk uh, mate Kirk he will turn up to the opening of an envelope okay yeah he, and he'll, he'll be, be there with <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, that's the news, B. Hey, this is Tim Farris, and you're listening to Access All Areas with Hayden and B. Hey. Now it's time for Topic of the Week, sponsored by Tilly and Wilbur, providing unique Australian design and affordable expressive wear. They make ethical choices one tea at a time by using sustainable quality clothing, supporting fair trade and using recycled packaging. Use the code INEXCESSPOD for 20% off your first purchase at tillyandwilbur.com.au. Chuck Ferris, uh, this is your life. Uh, did you ever show him in, in, in England called This Is Your Life, B? Did you not have it here? We did. And it was a guy yeah. called Roger Clemson. It was called This Is Your Life. And it was great. Bring it back. Yeah, it was yeah. good. Yeah. So 
Andrew Ferris, this is part of your life, okay, that we celebrate today with glee and joy uh, and uh, a labour of love today, just uh, recognising just what you've been to music, what you've been to fans, what you've been to our ears and our hearts and our heads. Uh, and we're going to be diving deep into, you know, your background and just how it is that you came to be within Excess and other artists. Um, and we look forward to delving deep in more specific elements of your career later on. But um, we figure today uh, we kick it off with a little bit of a montage of just some of the individual song rights that Andrew gave with the band uh, and a couple other little tidbits in there from uh, some other artists as well. Uh, so have a quick uh, listen to this and we'll get into the spirit of what is Andrew Charles Farris. Take it away. Activate, now radiate, a perfect state. 
great video to do because I finally got to unleash my band on the world of television. A good looking bunch they are too. We had 11 songs there that uh, I guess related to Andrew's uh, individual writing. And look, I think a couple of co-writes might be with Jenny as well. But uh, first one, Johnson's Aeroplane, we spoke about at the outset of this particular topic. Uh, Second one, this time, I guess I've listened like Thieves Be. That was actually the film that was made in London in your hometown by Godly and Cream with all the lights and things. Yeah. But uh, I know Andrew wrote that song a little bit longing and missing his partner and maybe the breakup of a relationship and things like that. Um, what does the song This Time mean to you? It's really grown on me. Yep. I do like it a lot. And, um, yep. yeah, I didn't see that video until recently, so right. it was good. Okay. Mm. And Mediate, if you think of the song like Mediate, just forget it's in excess and forget that we all know it. Just think of the song itself. It's a very weird song, isn't it? Well, I've said it's like a rap song. You, yeah. you don't. You, you you sort of disagreed. No, no, I agree. I oh, agree. Okay. Maybe you, maybe you convinced me. <laughs> but <laughs> but look, it's very it, clever to work it around that eight. It takes the, it takes the sort of the same sort of sound and sonics and and beats of Need You Tonight, and then mm. it has sort of a word you know spoken word thing over the top with the rhyme thing. But in terms of the sort of the middle of the first side of a big album, like you can un- understand why the record company may have been a bit like, "Well, this is yeah. weird." But yeah, um, yeah. It's a, it's a classic song and it's really well-regarded and respected. It's a very alternative song. Yeah. Uh, it was something that obviously Andrew really uh, put together and Michael really took the lyrics well and, and made it his own uh, on mm. stage. Next one, I guess, uh, when we go uh, for Andrew, which we just played there, was uh, Beautiful Girl. Uh, uh, really lovely song and I think it's, it's something, again, that Andrew on Welcome was one of three songs he actually wrote individually so it's quite interesting when you compare 
Kick and X. I think on X he didn't have any individual songs, but then suddenly Welcome came along and he had three songs, yeah, which um, you know related just to his own sort of contribution. Personal, yeah, yeah, and personal songs. Yeah. And but beautiful, beautiful girl yeah. for his daughter, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and it's just grown. I think over time, that's probably the, the most popularly played song in Australia off that album. Albeit, it, it, it's not my favourite off the album. It's one of my top three or four, but it's probably had the most longevity on Australian radio. Um, I think it hit forty six in America and top twenty in England. So uh, I, think I think the pace of that song's really lovely. It just makes you stop, doesn't it, to listen to it? I know yeah. my ki- my kids love it. Oh, play that one again, mommy. Play that one again. They just yeah. love that song. I remember yeah. when I first heard it. It had a very Lou Reed sound to it, and I know mm. we'll talk a bit about that later. But um, Michael delivered a very Lou Reed type vocal, and there wasn't a lot of noise around. You, you had piano, and you had it's almost like that children type piano one note thing they were playing at the start. Childlike, um, yeah. Guess the video too. Has, has held strength over time because of the subject matter and it was a great video. Next one there was Heaven Sent uh, off Well to Wherever You Are, which started off as a bit of a, I guess, a ballad and they sort of ramped into a rock run song. Uh, but that was a, a Soul Andrew composition. Uh, after that, we had Baby Don't Cry. Now, I'm trying to remember, B, you weren't a great fan of this for some reason. Is that right? No, I do. I do like Baby Don't Cry. It's the video, you it's didn't the like. video not oh. like that. Yeah. It's oh, all yeah. that white, isn't it? It's like. I reckon it's cool. They look really slick and cool and they're coming down the steps there and it's like, we're a band, we're together, we're united. Check us out. I think it's a bit boy bandy because they're all wearing <laughs> the same clothes and it's just like, no, I, I, don't, I like, wasn't into that cheesiness and it's like, oh, they're selling out the cheesiness. I don't I like know. it. I reckon, no, no. I, reckon, like the I reckon they look the coolest on that album, both in the, the, the shots and out in the desert and whatever, and they look the coolest. They're right okay. in that middle 30s age bracket and they're looking sharp and cool. Yeah. That's when I wanted to be in the band. I wanted to be on that shot. Um, be on that shot <laughs> in, that back, in the back of that uh, car. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the next one, uh, Hungry. Well, this was uh, written and sung around about the time John Stevens uh, was sort of, I guess, uh, fronting the band sort of post-Michael. And I know it was sort of saved eventually for, for JD to sing off Switch. Uh, Hungry is a great song. Um, the live version that JD sings it, and it's on the sort of Switch live, uh, I think, bonus album, uh, yeah. it's fantastic. Um, yeah, I think I Hungry, agree. yeah, I think if, you know, when it, there's a lyric and it goes, reaching out, you know, and it, it really climbs. It's, a, mm. it's like a faster version of the stairs in a sense. It's really an ascending type song. Right. Um, really good. But yeah, I think it's the song that, along with Pretty Vegas, still holds firm for me off Switch. Um, uh, and then moving into some of the Jenny Morris stuff, I know probably this is not in your wheelhouse because you were probably in the UK at the time, but uh, the song Save Me by Jenny Morris was written by Andrew and I think Jenny as well. When Prince heard that song be, he requested Jenny Morris suddenly become tour support for him in America and the UK. 
Now, I know Prince liked In Excess because he sung and covered What You Need half a dozen times in London around the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, but he really loved the song Save Me by Jenny Morris, which was an Andrew song and uh, that it sort of got literally Jenny the gig supporting Prince. Um, mm. He saw it on MTV one night. Okay. Uh, next one there, I'm not going to mention now because it may come up later in the show, but <laughs> she's got to be loved, okay? The <laughs> song about you, she's got to be loved. Uh, next one, Crackerjack Man. This is cool. I like this song. feels very glockenspielish uh, for those when you hear it again. Uh, not a big hit here, but it was a song off one of her big hit albums. Uh, and the other one, You're Gonna Get Hurt, uh, was a Jenny uh, and Andrew composition. Film clip's pretty cool. I think I've mentioned before, there's Kirk with no glasses. The only time we ever see Kirk, I think to look at you, we might see Kirk without glasses. Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, right uh, when he's doing the is it lipstick on the mirror or something like that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this particular film clip's a lot of fun. I think you see Andrew and Kirk in the film clip, but it's a... It's an Andrew uh, song for Jenny. So, you know, Andrew you know, has been very much a, a gun for hire, both artists. And initially there was a Scottish band called Gun that he actually had to, well, actually work with. A lot of stuff with Jenny Morris owes the debt of her career to Andrew and the songs that, that uh, he provided for her. Uh, Yothu Yindi, a very famous Australian Indigenous act that had a worldwide hit called Treaty. Andrew co-wrote and produced uh, one of their albums uh, back in the early 2000s. I think it was called Gamma from memory. Tanya Kernahan, the I think the daughter of uh, Slim Dusty, who's the most famous Australian country musician. Yeah. Uh, early 2000s, you could probably see that Andrew has always had a love of country music, which is coming through now. He wrote a lot of stuff with her. So Andrew's always been a guy that's sort of been quite prolific in his work outside outside in excess. And uh, I think even to this day, B, I think, you know, he would have a ton of songs in his vault that he could probably give to Pink and Christine Aguilera and a whole bunch of people that would be worldwide hits. But uh, yeah. he probably stores them away for rainy day and for himself and, and people he wants to give them to. Yeah, worthy people. sort of throw to you you know Andrew Ferris for you probably coming to Australia and then you know becoming connected more with the band and getting to know them over time what's your sort of understanding of his background and what does he mean to you and how do you see Andrew in the in excess sort of you know uh canon well at the very beginning he always come across as the guy that just stood at the back and I mean I've, I've heard stories of him actually being um shut out of his own gig before now and people not even <laughs> recognizing him have you heard yeah. those stories it's no, he looks 
Have you not? No, yeah, there, that. <laughs> there was a, I think it was a gig in England, and uh, I don't know, he probably went out and got himself a pie or something. And uh, he, he, he got, went to get back in, and they weren't allowing him in. I suppose he hadn't got his badge or something, right. and nobody recognized him. Oh, poor and, Andrew. And he, and he probably couldn't pull the rock star card, could he? Because he doesn't no. look like a rock star. No, yeah. no, not at all. He's just so. Cuddly. Cuddly, yes, that's the word. That's I could see word. you thinking it. <laughs> you saw it coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so cuddly. No, but he is, he is a bit of a bear, isn't he? But, I mean, he's quite headstrong, though, I do believe. Yeah. And he, he worries a lot, I believe, as well. You yeah. know, he's always the guy that's like, oh, you know, have we got, have we got everything or are we going to the right places? And, you know, are we going to, is what is the next song going to be the next best song? And all of those. So early. like, like Michael, you know, they probably had a lot in common, even though they didn't look <laughs> very similar. They, uh, you know, they bonded yeah. um, for those reasons. I think they, they had a lot to think about and they like, it was really good. I went through, um, I, I, I showed you earlier, didn't I, that I was going through Murphy's book and I picked out a little thing here about what Murphy said. And he said um, that they had a great connection, Andrew and Michael, as songwriters and had um, a really deep bond which formed at the school playground and both being able to express, express their ambitions and their angst through words on a page. It's like, that's great to be able to just go home from school and like, just get it out and like have a well, friend. Yeah, I, I think a lot who of- Who understood you from yeah. a very early beginning, yeah. Well, one of the significant interviews you see in MTV America back in the day where Andrew and Michael, I think they're near a river, an ocean or a lake or something. And they're talking about how they met at school and Andrew helped Michael out of a punch up and they became mm. kindred spirits. And, you know, Michael being the song, being well, being the sort of lyricist, poetry, wordies type guy, and Andrew ultimately coming sort of the the the, the bedrock of the musical base of the uh, of the structure. You know, you have kindred spirits. You know, John Lennon and Paul McCartney met each other, and John knew Paul was very advanced and even ahead of where John was in songwriting. And John has even said he learned a lot from Paul just by seeing his skills and whatever there. And I think it eventually rubbed off the other way. And for, for, for Andrew, probably you're right. I think if the miniseries is anything to go by and it was sort of, you know, produced by the band and they were very hands-on involved with the script. So you'd like to think if they're telling their story and what was in that miniseries is quite accurate. Yeah. Uh, and you sort of sense that Tim drove uh, from a leadership point of view, the vision of the band and, and kept thinking bigger and bigger and bigger. And Andrew was probably sort of the conservative one who thought, well, this is not going to go as far as we want, you know, uh, let's be realistic and probably the yeah. being the pragmatist. Yeah. Um, but most successful people in life, if you're totally pragmatic and give yourself enough reasons why something won't work, well, you talk yourself into it not working. Yeah. Um, and I think Andrew. Well, it's a good job of, he had a brother like Tim then. It yeah, kept saying, and, well, no, you know, you've got something here, mate. Yeah. Let's just keep going. And we talked about this last week a little bit about family. And sometimes family is very important in aiding and abetting, you know, motivation to continue because, you know, Tim was Andrew's big brother and John was mm. Andrew's little brother. And there's Andrew in the middle and take leadership from your older siblings in some respects. And, you know, Tim giving sort of a rev up or whatever to Andrew, I'm sure probably, you know, sh shook, him in, <laughs> shook him into line in places. But Andrew probably was always the sort of the conscience of the band and probably the one was sort of the worry a little bit and is this going to work and, oh, yeah. my God, I've got to come up with the next big thing and I've yeah. you know, the pressure and things. And yeah. I guess when the, the record company and, and your manager and, and producers like Chris Thomas say, hey, Andrew and Slash Michael, we want you to write the album, 
Michael doesn't play an instrument, so it then falls back on Andrew to create the bedrock of music. Andrew really shouldered a lot of the burden and the expectation of where the band was going to go musically. And I just think, you know, that that sort of Shabu Shabar, you know, into the swing, into listen like these, into the stratosphere of kick, and then the consolidation of X, and then the tangent sort of left turn of welcome to wherever you are and full moon, and then the sort of the coming back for, for elegantly wasted. There's some interesting sort of dynamics of transitions, but each of those albums, you know, really have given a lot of joy over time and some more critically acclaimed than others, some more fan favourites than others. Music's interesting in the sense, B, that it's often very nostalgic to a certain point in your life. Mm-hmm. And uh, it would be hard, you know, it's, it's hard for Paul McCartney to write Yesterday again or a song like that because it was part of an era and a time, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it had um, its place, didn't yeah. it? Yeah, and I think where Andrew sees himself now going down the country line, it's like this is what's true to him now. This is where he's at in his life. This is where he's what he's doing. He's got a lovely wife. You know, he's got sort of a lifestyle that really appeals to him. His children are grown up. Um, he doesn't have to compromise within a band dynamic. Um, he can really um, feel experience from where Malena and that's from, not far. I think from Ohio, I think they're from, I think, where she's from. And, you know, his experiences in the US with just, you know, other songwriters and, and the country scene. He's really doing something now that's true to his art. But back then in the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s, 90s, he was sort of performing in a way and, and delivering music that was true to the place he was in at the time good to have seen him develop really has hasn't it yeah like 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 i'm i'm i've been also looking back on story to story and i thought dr dolphin was his first right band with michael yeah but he didn't he was in a few others kraus and merlin and circle or merlin circle yeah but you know they didn't really get very far dr dolphin they were just in the bedroom yeah yeah so they, even though this musical genius was on the cusp, he wasn't yeah. going anywhere because he was stuck in he was stuck in the bedroom. Whereas you know you got Tim going. At least he was on the stage at Davison High. You know he just yeah. got out there a little bit more. Yeah. So yeah, it's good to have seen him develop. And now he's like you know at Tamworth, and he was over in the uh, in the states. And it's just amazing that you know he's on these well, big world stages still. When we have the courage to invite one of these band members onto our podcast and talk to them. <laughs> uh, you know, there's some really interesting things I'd like to ask Andrew and, and um, I, I've been collating questions from some of our listeners that we've asked and, and I know you have as well, plus individually we have our own things we'd like to ask, but there's often a tipping point where a hobby becomes a skill and then becomes sort of an endeavour and then it becomes your, your job. And um, But I think any musician and you think of, you know, people such as um, Angus Young, who we spoke about last week and things like that with ACDC, they just love their instrument. They love playing. It's sort of in their DNA. Yeah. And I think for Andrew, you know, over the journey in the years and, and, and people like Prince, who has a, a vault of so many sort of songs uh, that have uh, represented his career, Andrew probably could have exploited the legacy of Michael with so many things that are probably sitting in vaults, but he hasn't. But I think for Andrew, what I'd love to sort of know a bit about is, um, you know, how much stuff has he got? What sort of things, you know, pathways of music, you know, has he uh, written in his own time? You know, what was the songwriting experiences post-Michael like when, like when he went to America and was part of the uh, the Switch, before the Switch album, he went over and started sharing uh, some songwriting time with some, some very famous American uh, songwriters. And um, his craft, I guess, has, has evolved over time and, a lot of the parts where a successful 
composer in his at his age now. He's not writing for top forty anymore. He's just writing for the love of the of the song and the music. And weirdly enough, that pressure's probably off him now. And maybe that's why he seems to be really happy, because there's not the chart expectations. There's not I'm carrying a carrying a business on the back of my shoulder. I'm carrying livelihoods, a, a touring sort of uh, regime. I mean, you know, I can understand how he may feel a lot more relief in his musical, you know, journey right now. What what are you, your thoughts on that, B? Yeah, the pressure's off, definitely. And I feel so much that he and Marlena are both so in love and the songs that he's writing are just beautiful, the love songs. But I want you to listen to this. This is um, Andrew talking about another track that was on his EP that he did. And this is called First Man on the Moon. And I just love the backstory. Have a listen. The last track on my EP is actually called First Man on Earth. I co-wrote it with Guy Chambers. We were working in Primrose Hill in the studio in London. And Guy had, I think, a family commitment or something more important than what we were doing, which is understandable. And Guy went off for his family commitment and he had a whole room full of these amazing old synthesizers, you know. And I looked around and went, wow. And I was like a kid in a candy store because I used to do all that sort of stuff on old analog synthesizers. So I started fooling around. Well, Guy came back through the, the door and he goes, what are you doing? I said, well, this is what I've been doing. I played in the song or the track at that point. And he goes, that's amazing. It was eight minutes, eight seconds long. And he didn't go, oh, that's too long. Oh, you know, we haven't got a pop song going here. But it's wacky. Um, it's, it has nothing normal in a pop song structure. It's really more about the music. And it's about the lyric. We're organic human beings, but we're obsessed with technology. I'm talking to you through technology right now. There's technology behind me, and there was different technology 50 years ago, and there'll be different technology in 50 years' time. And it's the relationship between human beings and technology. It's basically what song's about. Letting him fall, slowly Give me more of that, Mr. Farris, please. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, it's endless. I think when you've got that... Because cra- we're not really country people, are we? No. Well, he's got that creativity and being able to play... I feel multiple- like I've lost him. <laughs> well, look, it's interesting. When you can play guitar and play piano, it's such a great aspect of songwriting. I mean, some artists like Billy Joel write a lot of stuff on the piano, but then they translate it to guitar and, and vice versa. Um, Chris Martin, I think, you know, similarly in Coldplay, obviously writes off the piano and then takes it to some of the other uh, players and they put it through a, through the guitar side. Um, there's various ways you can write and compose a song. I just would love to explore that avenue. And we talked to Andrew just about the songwriting techniques and some of the varieties and things that, that come about and, and maybe some stories, you know, that created those, those versions uh, of hits that, you know, he, he, he was involved with. Uh, the song, you know, What You Need was, I think, called sort of funk song number nine or something like that that <laughs> was this last remaining song that Chris Thomas pushed them, we need one more song, we need a hit, we need one more song. And within a 48 hours, they'd sort of, you know, taken a demo, a turned hit. it into a recording and then sort of suddenly turned into remixed and had it out, you know, by Monday, you know. And I think the quote was, talk about pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Some stories about the songwriting stuff, you know, may not always appeal to all of our listeners out there, but I, I find it quite fascinating because, you know, how did the song start from a certain position and grow? Yeah. Uh, a good example is probably the, the song I talked about earlier and I've mentioned on previous episodes, Heaven Sent. If you ever want to hear the Heaven Sent, I think it's called the Waltz version, the gliding Waltz version, you actually hear, I think, Andrew singing Heaven Sent, and it's a very much a country waltzy sort of song, 
but it sort of turned into a rock song and a sort of grunge song and ultimately got amped up and, and sped up. Um, and that particular original version is on the, so the CD single for Heaven Sent as a sort of a B-side. But it's interesting, certain songs can be sped up and ramped up and, and be put more guitars through the amp and everything like that. Um, just like we saw with a song like Don't Change, which is a real toe-tapper anthemic song, but then you hear the slow-down version that Andrew sings with Kirk uh, on the original Sin album when they re-released their old songs. It's a great example of a great song being able to sort of, I guess, have another be life adapted. and be adapted. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I think you know, a great song can be played fast or slow in different ways, but I think Andrew being such a multifaceted songwriter, um, and as some people do or don't know, he, he got given, I think, a, a fellowship to go and teach at Australian uh, ANU in Canberra, which is sort of big yeah. Australian university. And it was maybe around three, four, five years ago uh, where he was invited down for a year to, I think it was, to sort of teach music at the university to some of the, the elite students there. And he had his own residency there. And you know, imagine going to class and there's Andrew Ferris teaching you how I wrote songs and things. And that would be <laughs> fascinating for him to hear and uh, our listeners to hear about because yeah um there's no there's no book to write a song but there's definitely chapters yeah <laughs> just to hear from a few of those students yeah what they got out of that and where they develop from there that's yeah. right that's right um do you have a fam- a favorite andrew sort of moment that sort of touches you or something that you think about when andrew comes sort of to mind an Andrew song, you mean? Yeah, or, or a, a memory or experience, etc. Oh, an Andrew moment is when he's at Wembley and he, I've never seen him so relaxed and let rip when he's playing that harmonica he and he's rolling all over the stage. Yeah, That's yeah, just yeah, yeah. brilliant. Yeah. I was thinking the same <laughs> one, actually. I was thinking the same one. He's got the black leather yeah. jacket. He comes down and, and Michael's almost like, wow, look at this guy. <laughs> look at him go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was really having a good time that night, hey? There yeah. was actually a video the other day. Out of all of them, all six of them are on there, and he's looking the most dapper. Michael's got his mullet, and he looks like he just rolled out of a nightclub, and he wasn't looking <laughs> the tidiest at all. He, he, he literally looked like he'd just woken up and got on stage. Right. But, but t- there's... um. Oh, God, getting for all the names. Andrew. But there's Andrew, and he's got the suit on, and he looks like he should have been in Depeche Mode or something, you know, <laughs> and he's got the shoulders going, and he was really into it. <laughs> on the cover of the uh, the Swing album, he's got that sort of like uh, angular, ang- angular sort of pose and stance where he's looking sort of diagonally. Yeah. And I think on the back of the Swing album, he's got the little goatee sort of beard and things like that. It's probably the, sort of the weirdest looking Andrew I think I've seen. What about um, when they're all lying down with the white cloth all over their groins? Shabu shabu. <laughs> I, look, I he don't looks have... the most uncomfortable ever. <laughs> I feel so sorry for him. No, I wonder how he, long that. He, I think <laughs> that, that would have been a that would have been a Michael initiative, and it was very artistic. Oh, yeah, and very Ma- artistic. Yeah, Michael oh. loved the idea. You could imagine Andrew standing there with his calculator, going, "What's the uh, cost benefit analysis doing this?" Um, <laughs> We had we've had Michael sort of uh, you know uh, Keats and Shelley <laughs> Percy Shelley whatever there uh, or Yates there artistic poetry man and then there's Andrew Mister Accountant going really is this, is this really going to add value to our legacy yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely keeping and my then you, and you know what? Tim would have said shut up Andrew get under the sheet <laughs> anyway so anyway. Um, okay but my favourite songs are, are, are you know um, by my side is 
absolute top up there for me. Uh, yeah. His favourite songs that he ever arranged. The arrangement on that, as yeah. well as obviously um, Never Tear Us Apart. But those two songs, when you really sit back and you think about how he arranged it, amazing. Hmm. Oh, look, I mean, when Kick was out, he was uh, 28. X was out, he was probably 31, you know, so... Uh, and again, he didn't go to university baby. to do that, did he? Do you know? <laughs> no, that's right. That's right. All right, a couple of little fun facts. Just uh, I mentioned one about Canberra and the university there, which some people don't know. Andrew wrote all of the NXS top 40 hits in America bar one. Uh, do you know which one he didn't write? Hmm. No. Disappeared. <laughs> oh, Thank you, of John. course. Thank you, John. Um, <laughs> vocally, um, I think when I listen to Andrew, especially on the B-sides, which we did that big special a couple of weeks ago called the B-sides, uh, Andrew, especially on that song we put on Soothe Me and It Ain't Easy, in those early 90s periods when he was starting to do some of the B-side stuff, vocally he he sounds really good when he does that sort of Lou Reed type spoken word thing. Yeah. Um, look, he doesn't have the vocal range of uh, Mariah Carey. I think my, uh, Andrew would put his hand up for that. Thank God he doesn't. Um <laughs> because uh, our ears can only have enough of one of Mariah. Uh, having said that, though, <laughs> uh, he is probably somebody who sings with his abilities. You know, his strength is songwriting and craftsmanship and arranging and instrumentals and, and lyrics and things like that. Um, however, I think he's gained confidence from the fact that he's found a genre that probably suits his singing style, yeah. his, his, his vocal, you know, intonations and things like that. And... Um, you can sense just with each track and each thing he's put out recently, he's getting more confident within that. And when you are behind someone like Michael in a band, um, it's a bit like George Harrison being behind John Lennon and Paul McCartney. It's a bit like hard to get a hard to get a foot in the door when you've got greatness in front of you yeah. on stage. So um, I guess I, I, I think I think coupled with that and the Andrew singing, you know, without sort of patronising Andrew, he's really come out of his shell as a human being. Like I think Andrew was always more comfortable probably not touring and probably just work at writing and recording and producing and not being in the limelight and sort of help and probably through uh, media duties to Kirk and Tim predominantly. And I think for an excess, probably where they could have had a bigger profile in America is if Andrew and Michael did more, you know, fronting up for the media stuff and yeah. did more hard graft on the media side. They may have had a bigger uh, stake there and a legacy long-term because you're just in people's faces, you know. You yeah. Sometimes, sometimes that's the marketing and the selling side, getting out and talking to people. Yeah. Bono, yeah. Bono's the expert at. He's the chairman of the board. Him and Edge get out and do the promoting, and they're on every TV show, and always done it. You uh, actually just reminded me something there about um, this tall poppy syndrome after they did the um, concert for Life. Yep. And Andrew was the first to go right. I can't, I can't live here. And he yeah. upped his family and moved out. Yeah. To the because UK. He, yeah. Yeah. Cause he couldn't, he couldn't handle that. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think, you know, it'd be interesting when we talk to him about it, it's just, you know, if we had our time again, what would have they done differently? Yeah. Sometimes, you know, you can sit back and say, let it all sort of slide. But sometimes when you let things slide, the narrative becomes sort of, you know, uh, based on the, uh, the rhetoric and not the reality. Um, yeah. People start thinking what's, Spruit in the meat is is, is 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 kosher or gospel when it's not. Yeah. Also, a couple other things about Andrew. Probably the in most interesting, probably moment I've made it uh, uh, anecdote for Andrew was when he was at Wembley and he was before the uh, the major gig and um, he looked around the big 
uh, backstage era and there's Keith Richards and there's Mick Jagger and, you know, I think there was um, all sorts of celebrities hobnobbing around and the support acts and things and he's like, I'm just going to go to the bathroom actually and he went to hide and lit up a, a joint and said, oh, I'm just going to uh, just take all this thing in because, um, you know, there was a, you know, it was probably like the, the moment where, you know, in excess were reigning supreme in England, biggest band in the UK at that time, coming off the biggest band in America. And it was just the moment where they conquered the world and about to go and play the biggest gig uh, or the biggest pub they've ever played. And um, I always like that sort of story that Andrew shares because uh, Keith, I won't say Keith, Keith, Keith. Uh, is such a, a fan of music that comes from an honest place. And I know uh, on one of the liner notes of, I think the Bitter's Tears CD single, he sort of says, in excess are a band, they're tight, they come from a good place and, you know, they, they, they're, they're, they're real and whatever they are. And I know having respect for someone like Keith Richards would have meant a lot to yeah. Michael, but a lot to Andrew as well. What's your favourite song that you feel that was more influenced by Andrew with his arrangements? Um, see, it's interesting because we've got Andrew who's written virtually everything for them, the individual Andrew stuff. I think the song Mediate is the most interesting composition he's written. Okay. And I think Johnson's Aeroplane is one of the most interesting things he's written. If I was to go through the ones that we've played today, they're not very inaccessible, you know, they... They're not. They're, they're an individual sort of song that's sort of come into the band and the band have fleshed it out, but they don't sound like traditional Linux songs. So I think Andrew's put his stamp on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I love the lyric of this time. If I could talk about the lyric, this will be the last time that we will fight like this. Um, yeah. And it's not like oh we'll never fight again. It's like we're broken up. We we can't fight again because we're no longer together. And as you get older and have relationships and then you sing that song and the lyric and you know what it's about, again it gives a resonance to. Versus when you're 15, 16 going, oh, yeah, I'll just sing this song. Yeah. You know, so that's a great thing about music. It can recapture a connection with you because you start to understand what it's about later on when you really sort of, you know, dive deep into, you know, hearing the messaging behind it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're probably my favourite Andrew moments individually within the band. Okay. Yeah. So do you think you'd like him on first? Well, you know, I think we owe it to him. If he, I think so. I think, I think gonna, he should be our first. We're going to put the challenge out there at the moment. We need to get some of his new EPs sold and we need a platform to assist him with that. And uh, I know he's probably going through a little bit at the moment, which we don't want to necessarily put too much pressure. But, uh, uh, look, he's the, probably going to win the trophy for Media Wars, uh, the way he's cranking. <laughs> and he would have been 100 to 1 20 years ago if you said Andrew would be the media magnate of NXS or, or of the uh, organisation. Maybe it took him to have NXS sort of finish up as an entity, as a touring entity and recording entity for him to come out of his shell, truly. But, Do you think uh, he'll wear his hat? Oh, Santa hat or Santa jumper? Santa hat. <laughs> 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 yeah. Well, look, you know, I think um, our, our listeners would be great if we could get him on and also be great if we could get him in a fan forum with our patrons to to maybe, uh, you know, just share some some uh, some uh, stories or questions like we did with Nick Egan. So we'll, uh, we'll put that invitation out very soon and we hope we can come back with a positive answer with that. Okay. I sent a message. 
All right. Now we're going to just shift quickly into some recognition or awards that sort of Andrew's been sort of privy to largely for his songwriting contributions. Um, some with the band, some sort of solo and productions and things. Uh, 1984, our version of the Grammys here in Australia. He was best songwriter of the year along with uh, Michael. Uh, 1990, he was producer of the year for our version of the Grammys here, the RE Awards, uh, for a lot of his work with uh, Jenny Morris, who we spoke about earlier. 2001, obviously part of NXS Australian Hall of Fame or ARIA Hall of Fame. 2010, I think it was the Western Australian Songwriters Hall of Fame, which I guess uh, is where he grew up uh, in Western Australia, Perth. Uh, 2016, the Australian Songwriters Hall of Fame. Uh, 2019 uh, MBE, which is, I guess, a, an award for being uh, part of the Commonwealth from the Queen for services and contributions to music. So Andrew's a very revered figure, pretty much individually and then stuff within the band, but also out of the band for just his overall contributions. And, you know, we'd love to think that uh, down the track, in excess and part of our goal with this podcast is to get them into the Rock Hall of Fame. But who's to say that, you know, individually he doesn't go on to still produce and record vital music for himself and for other people um, and share some of, you know, what he's done uh, for other artists because eventually sometimes, and I, 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 I'm, I'm going to be surprised in uh, the listeners of this, but I'm going to uh, quote the very famous singer Richard Marx here. <laughs> uh, now, Richard's an interesting character. Uh, he's almost funny. Uh, he's, he's a bit like that guy from England. Uh, who's the guy? Uh, You're beautiful, James Blunt. James Blunt. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. almost more famous for being funny on Twitter and, and hilarious than he, he is for his music, right? But, <laughs> but but Richard Marx said something quite interesting. And, and Richard sort of, you know, a lot of people remember the long mulleted hair in the 90s. But uh, Richard's quite a, you know, a brilliant songwriter. And he sort of said something quite interesting. He said, oh, you know, nowadays I, you know, I do a lot of producing and singer-songwriting contributions. Like he, he gave songs to NSYNC and Luther Vandross and a lot of people after his days as a solo artist. But he said, look, you know, during your, your, your musical career, you're a bit like a baseballer. You know, you're in the game, you're part of the team and you have your time and, you know, you have your innings and you have your duration in the game. And then eventually one day you've had your time and sort of you're out of the limelight, you're out of the game, but you can still sort of make a contribution. And uh, I think with Andrew in the songwriting sort of stakes, he, I don't think he's looking to go to, you know, win country music artists of the year and, He's looking to have be top 40s or whatever whatever anymore. Uh, and, and Michael wrote the gift. I think uh, Andrew gave the world his greatest gift, which was his hooks, tunes and melodies to uh, millions of people. And that's his gift. Beautiful. That's really lovely. And just the last thing before we close off on our topic, it won't be the last time we talk about Andrew, but we wanted to do a generic type topic to just, again, educate people about the broad strokes and the overall uh, contribution of his career. But we look very much forward to maybe diving deep in future episodes uh, about elements of his craft. It could be uh, more specific songwriting or a certain song or certain era in the band. Um, and we, we uh, no doubt uh, we've had sort of uh, uh, rumours and mum murmurings that he will come onto our podcast. Uh, we hope to sort of have that offer uh, accepted very, very soon where we can hear from the man himself about his craft. And if we've got anything wrong or corroborate what we got right, it'd be good to hear from uh, the horse's mouth country, so to speak. <laughs>
bit of countryisms there. <laughs> but thank you, Andrew. Thank you. This is Felicia Murray from Carmadale. This is Foxy from San Francisco. This is Amory from Ohio. And that's a wrap. All right, well, that's a wrap, B. Uh, but we actually go into what is a, a very liked section of the podcast is fan engagement. And there's been some interesting developments this week from some famous fan engagers. Is that right? Yes. The fan engager to this only yesterday is a guy called Pierre Winther. Have you yep. heard of this guy before? I haven't. I haven't, no. So I hadn't either. And I thought he looked a bit special. He's got a cowboy hat on as well. <laughs> <laughs> Always makes it a bit special, little to me. <laughs> so anyway, so I checked him out and he is a famous photographer, French photographer, yep. who took all those iconic pictures elegantly wasted scenes and stuff um, like pictures. that yeah yeah like great photos have you ever seen there's quite a few of them actually i have it, it's funny over the years that those photos the colors and the so uh, the cars yeah. on the side and the green and the red and all these beautiful colors and then the desert shots and things it's great yeah. and i think i think it was either michael or it might have been andrew said well, uh, well someone from the band was saying we're trying to capture a little bit the uh, image of a bit like Pink Floyd's album Wish You Were Here cover where mm. there's two guys sort of handshaking, one guy's on fire and you open up and it's got these very distinctive shots and, yeah. you know, Pink Floyd visually wise were very, very um, groundbreaking with, you know, their, their album covers like Dark Side of the Moon and things. Yeah. But I think that's what the band was seeking with this. Um, yeah. Shot all Great over LA. photos. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so hi, Pierre. He's following us on <laughs> Hello, Twitter. Pierre. So that's, that's, that is quite excited so um we'd like to say hi to him and then also i would like to also give a big hi to joshua and jackie hi joshua hi guys guys. and um right i've got a bit of a bone (laughs) (laughs) right are you ready you're ready right so we have got a Facebook page called In Excess Access All Areas. And within that page, I've set up another page for our Uber fans who are patrons to the show. Yep. And it is called the Super Fan Page. Yep. Now, there's some people trying to invite themselves into this page <laughs> by the back door, right? <laughs> and I know you're very special, but you do need to come in the right way. So. <laughs> You need. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say hi to you now, and I'm also going to send you, you all. Names, a, I am. I'm going to name names. I'm going to count them all out. <laughs> all sixteen of them. It's okay. going to take a while. Well, and really keen, they must be really keen to become patrons. I think, then I think they are keen <laughs> from all around the world. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to um, send you a little message each. So look out in your message uh, messenger, and I will send you a link to become a patron. We would love that. If not, if you don't want to become a patron, you can also just donate to the page and then I'll let you in. All right. But you ain't coming in unless you're a patron. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So we will start with Victoria from Ukraine. Wow. Mark from Muswell Brook in New South Wales. Musselbrook. Musselbrook. That's your neck of the woods. I know. Don't go very often. (laughs) Okay. Let's say that again. Mark from Musselbrook in New South Wales. Yep. Jim from Sydney, Fernandez from Spain, Jacob from Melbourne, Katrina from Mel- uh, Melbourne. Katrina, Melbourne? I think I used to Katrina. go to school with. Is it more? Katrina, Katrina Moore? I think you're right, actually. Yeah, I used to go to school with Katrina. <laughs> yeah. Katrina. Come on, Katrina. <laughs> Hi, come in. Yes, come on, Katrina. Yeah. 
got Susie from Bulgaria. Wow. Yeah. Then we've got Kelly and Susie, both from the United States. We've got Lynn from Norfolk in the UK. Uh, Hello. Cheesy <laughs> smile there. Yes. Uh, um, we've got Franco from Argentina. Now, Isabella, I don't know where you're from, but you like to be called Bella, and it's Isabella Felix. Yep. We've got Kath from Blackpool <laughs> in the UK. Um, Grant Williams from Sydney. And um, we've got someone called JMB Mary. Yeah. From Sydney and Shannon from Michigan. Wow. Look out in your inboxes. <laughs> I will send you an invite. Well, we would love a to get to know you. invite. <laughs> Listen, for, for as low as $5 a month and probably as high yeah. as about 30 bucks a month, you can be part of just the community. And we'd love to get you in on a more serious level to some of the uh, more elite conversations. Well, not elite conversations. That sounds a bit snobbery. Uh, just some of the more involved conversations and high-end stuff that we talk about within the community and um, and get access to Nick Egan's and, and some of the uh, the guests and things because, you know, it's only going to grow. It's only going to get bigger and we're only going to get more people on. And um, the next few weeks we'll have Mark Opitz on and hopefully he'll want to come and talk to some of the uh, the patrons. And we, we want to be able to, you know, use our platform to get you closer to some of the people who influence the music you love. So, uh, yeah, uh, hopefully we could add a couple more yeah. patrons in because it's uh, only got about a week and a half before we uh, give away that kick. Uh, well, that's um, what I was yeah. going to say because, you know, you've for $5 a month, which is like you say, I've paid $5 cup for a cup of yeah. coffee today. Yeah. yeah, and for a whole month. And, you know, I will throw in there the um, the um, Max Q album that I can download straight away to yep. you. I mean, that's worth a penny or two for yep. $5. And yep. then also coffee. you it's can... A co- it's a good coffee per week, isn't it? That's about it's it. It's a good coffee. And then you've got Nick Egan's, and that's still up for grabs there, there. If you can bring in um, yourselves and another patron, then you've got a kick poster as well. And I've also said Nick will do a one-on-one with you and the patron um, for that top person who brings in the patron. All right, well, we come sort of the end of the show where I guess we either put a cover song on or a tribute song. And being uh, the genius of Andrew Farris today that we we're highlighting, we thought we would put on one of his compositions. And, look, we're not going to put an in-excess composition on because um, I guess, you know, we've highlighted that in the montage a bit earlier and we've also highlighted uh, some stuff the other week and the B-sides that he was quite involved with. But uh, we're probably going to put on a song that's his biggest hit single outside his work with in-excess. And... Uh, it was hit in Australia and, and in New Zealand and some places in Europe, but I think it hit number two over here uh, or top five and, and same with New Zealand. It is a song, if you could just listen to it a few times, it's, it's as catchy as anything you will actually uh, hear from In Excess. And you can imagine this that was written and, and recorded between Kick and X, you know, when Andrew was really on a creative high. Uh, he gave this to Jenny Morris. We heard a sort of slight snippet earlier of it. Uh, it's called She's Got to Be Loved. The film clip is great. I think Andrew is in the film clip, but the hooks and the keyboard changes and the guitar and the soaring uh, chorus are awesome. So we'll take it away with that. She's Got to Be Loved by Jenny Morris, written by Andrew, and I think a little co-write from Jenny. Uh, It's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from B. Bye, everyone.